You are listening to March Mad Men, the podcast with the unhinged plan to whittle 32 haunted house movies down to one. In this installment of our March Madness-style tournament, we conclude a long night of recording with one final matchup. Enjoy. Let's talk about uh, our number 16 seed, The Woman in Black versus What Lies Beneath. These are literally number 16 versus 17 in our tournament. So this is 100% already, by definition, a 50-50 situation. So it's a, it's a great way to end our, our show. And uh, yeah, The Woman in Black, it's based on a British film that uh, I don't think any of us have, have seen the original. Uh, uh, book. It's based on a book. Okay. Yes. It's, Thank it's you. Not, yeah. not, not, not a movie. Yeah. It's uh, a 1983 horror novel written by Susan Hill in a very Gothic novel. And uh, the film adaptation stars our good friend, Harry Potter. <laughs> Fan the podcast. <laughs> yes. I have only seen this once uh, for our show not that long ago, and I thought it was pretty decent. It, it definitely had some unnerving moments, but I'm going to give it a B- minus for overall quality. Rich, what was your overall quality grade for The Woman in Black? I really struggled with this movie. I gave it an overall quality of a B, and I look forward to talking it through more. It's worth noting that it is a Hammer film. Maybe you guys know a little more about what's going on with Hammer nowadays, but I was surprised to see their logo pop up. Yeah. And I think that it brought both the good and the bad of what Hammer has to offer. There's a lot of problems with this movie, but also it does a lot of things right. It's a weird mix. It definitely earns its spot in the middle. I would maybe have placed it a little bit lower, but it is mercifully only 90 minutes. <laughs> Let's just say that and we'll take it from there. That's a plus. That's definitely a plus. <laughs> Dick? I, uh, I also gave it a B for overall quality. I will, Rich, just to just to inform uh, what you were saying about Hammer a little bit. I went to London for a wedding uh, many many years ago, probably about six years ago now. Actually, it was exactly six years ago because Sawyer was nine months old, my son. And I had the brilliant idea of telling my agents, hey, I'm going to be in London. I would like to meet with some production companies while I'm there and see what we can do. This was an entirely fruitless exercise, largely because Hammer agreed to meet with me on the strength of their having, uh, I believe, just done The Woman of Life. This was, what, 2012? Yes. So, yeah. So they, this was this was maybe two years in the in the can. And... When I went there, and I and it took me forever to find the place. It was, I mean, navigating London is a, an adventure. So I showed up a little bit late and sort of harried, and I sat down with this woman. And they had done at this point, I think, two movies before this. So this is sort of a revived Hammer films. This is not right. Hammer films specifically. For for those of you that don't know, was we're, we're doing a lot of. Edgar Allan Poe and they did the Hound of the Baskervilles and a lot of Dracula and Frankenstein stuff 
in the the fifties and sixties with Vincent Price and Peter Cushing. And a lot of those films are actually very good. I'm a fan of those films. So that's why when they revamped, I don't know what the connection is to the initial Hammer films, but when they revamped it, I was really excited. Except their, I think their first film out of the gate was The Resident with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, which was you know sort of a thriller. It wasn't really a horror movie. Yeah. It was not very good. And so then they finally seem to get their traction with the woman in black. But oh shit! All right, this is somebody that I would. This is a company that I want to talk to. This is a company I want to be in business with. And when I met with them, the lesson that they took from the fact that the resident had failed and the woman in black had succeeded was that their films should be entirely British. So the meeting literally started off with this woman being like, "So we're really only interested in doing British films. So why are you here?" Oh well. And I was kind of like, I, I don't know. You, you agreed to take the meeting. Like, what? Why am I here? I'm sorry, I'm not British. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not familiar with British folklore, so I'll have to get back to you on that. So it was. It was a, just one of those wasted meetings that I, like I said, just because it took me so long to get there, and I was so frantic and harried and sweaty when I got there, and then to be like. What a waste of my fucking time. And it doesn't seem to have paid off for them in the long run. I know the the sequel to The Woman in Black was not much of a hit. This seems to be the apex of the revised Hammer Films brand. Yeah, this and, made a $127 million worldwide. Yeah, and it's it's a good movie. It's a B. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. I agree, Rich. I think there are some things that are exceptional and there are some things that are deeply flawed. But the the things that are exceptional are pretty exceptional. I'm really curious to see how this this vote is going to shake out. I, I think it's a solid movie. I mean, I watched it when we were in like I don't know July, August, in the early stages. So my memories aren't that uh, vivid. But I do remember watching the the scenes that are trying to scare the audience, like the really dedicated suspense sequences in the haunted house and i felt like yeah that this is this is cool this is very effective so that's uh that's why it's in the tournament i'm gonna give it a originality grade of a b minus because yeah i mean most of the stuff that's going on we're not uh reinventing the wheel here what's uh what's your grade on this one vic I gave it a C for originality. Yeah. Agreed. It's this 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 movie is taking a a lot of tried and true tropes and packaging them very well. Rich, yeah, C plus for me. This is entry level horror, but as entry level horror goes, you could do worse. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's it, fair. It, it, it executes some some classic scares very well. It takes some well trodden wrong turns, and it botches a few things. I do feel like the third act of this movie is just like tanks the entire film for me. I was actually more or less on board until the third act of the movie. It's kind of so has like a, a tacked on saccharine style ending that you know we talked a lot about the the orphanage ending last week i thought this made the orphanage uh twist ending look like a classic by comparison 
and that in itself, like that that particular story ending for uh, for a haunted house tale like this, is not particularly original. But anyways, C plus. I mean, Jesus Christ, the thing opens up with a tragic tea party, a, a literal tragic tea party with a bunch of little girls. So right out of the gate, you know you're not getting something fresh. <laughs> but I like I that open. That's a good open. That that tragic tea party was awesome. Yes. Yes. Like, you have my attention with that open. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Chill Factor is a B for me. I think that there's a lot of stuff that is stridently trying to be scary, and I can't say that it totally fails. I'm, I'm actually pleased at the number of moments in this movie where they're making an effort to just not be, ooh, spooky or enigmatic or mysterious like no they're trying to be scary and i think that uh you know it doesn't totally miss the mark so i have to give it a b in that regard rich what's your chill factor i actually went with a b plus here i felt like there was a little too much lurking there were one too many shots of the primary ghost the the titular uh woman in black standing you know just out of sight or oh did he see her yeah he did see her there were one too many of those scares but i will say that they got a couple of shots off not an original shot but a shot where you know daniel radcliffe is looking at something in the in the foreground and in the background you see her move and something about the way that they composed the shots the way they timed them was very effective for me and got me to buy him pretty early. Mm-hmm. I will say that in addition to the woman in black, there's also there are other ghosts that appear in the movie that are part of the woman in black story. And I actually thought that they, as the the secondary um, ghosts in this, were scarier than the than the primary woman. There's one in particular that that appears in a Radcliffe is is running away from the from you know, the, the main threat and he runs into a bedroom and the bed starts to turn to a pool of mud. And from that pool of mud emerges an, another, uh, a child. I thought that effect was pretty chilling. Yes. So they had some really clever devices and ways of telling the story through the scares. And that stuff was clever. I gave it a B plus as well. The problem for me with this movie is that, the this movie peaks at sort of a, a, in the middle. Yeah, there is yeah. a, and, and I've talked about this before. There is a a, a long. I mean, I want to say almost a fifteen minute scene that is a, almost entirely dialogue free. That is just Daniel Radcliffe wandering around this house, and it is never boring. It is never preposterous. The scares keep coming and they escalate. And it is terrifying. It's a really, really scary scene. And yes. we'll, we'll get into the quality of kills, but that I, I feel like there's also a lot of death in this that happens around that scene that really amplifies it uh, and makes it a little bit of a scarier film. Like Rich said, it's this is this is a horror film. This is not an art film. This is not the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is not. No one's comparing this to the wine to uh, 
the English patient, you know, sort of Weinstein Brothers production, in spite of the fact that it's period and everyone's English and everyone's talking sort of fancy and wearing fancy clothes and shit. Or, it's or not that, the, uh, the devil's backbone. Or the, well, yes, that's, that's sort of a different comparison. Cause I feel like the devil's backbone is more, well, that'll be interesting. Talking about Hopefully, like period, period ghost stories that yes. we're, we're dealing with. Agreed. No, it'll be interesting to see uh, if this makes it through to, to the next round, and maybe we get to talk a little bit more about those two films next to each other, or or even peripherally. Just, I think it'll be interesting because that will be an interesting comparison. Part of what makes this competition so much fun. So but the problem is, as Rich alluded, is that that really that scene really is the highlight of the movie, and it is. Just kind of a downward, a downward trajectory from there to sort of a lackluster ending. Yeah. What's funny about it, that is that when we were doing the selection show, you guys put one of you put this on my radar, and I watched um, up to through this part that we're talking about, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm signing off. Like let's, this has to be in the in the dance. And then the next night, I watched everything after this part and i was like eh, eh, okay well i already i already signed off on it so i guess it's it <laughs> too late yep <laughs> i i do i do want to point out i i have this detail and i didn't know what category to drop it into but chill factor seems as good a place as any the locations in this movie are awesome oh yeah yeah and there, you know, the, the the set piece of this film is the, you know, the the haunted mansion or whatever you want to call it. And for those who haven't seen it, it is on an island that is only separated from the rest of the land at high tide. So basically, there's a road that goes through the area where high tide covers. So sometimes it's on an island, and sometimes it's just basically has a marsh that you have to drive through in order to get to it and it's shot beautifully it looks amazing and also the town that he's in he's in this sort of like working class classic gothic english town and it feels very real and it feels a little edgy and sort of dangerous for a movie that that kind of feels big budget and glossy that's saying something so, uh, Badass Baddies, our antagonist score. Rich, what's your score for, for this category? I think I kind of gave mine already for under chill factor. I went B+. Plus. Again, the woman in black is creepy. She gets a little conventional towards the end. And the supporting ghosts, I felt like, were especially effective. And you, Vic? I gave it a B. I feel much the same as Rich. I, I I do take some points off for sort of there's something sort of conventional about it. There's also something just utterly ruthless about it. Like there's a lot of dead kids in this movie. Yeah. And the woman in black, she's the bringer of that. I don't think I'm giving too much away by saying that. So Wait, yeah, the woman in black is the antagonist? You fucking yeah. spoiler asshole. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've been I've been called that before, and I will be again. She means fucking business. And even if one of the things that I thought, because I know we we get to get some of the the hanging the 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 woman hanging trope 
which we've seen many times before. I actually found myself thinking quite a bit about the innkeepers while watching this. It just needed something, a little something to juice it. But it's a very, cause it is a very traditional ghost story in most respects. But yeah, it's a, it's a beat. She's fucking scary. She's hardcore. Yeah, it was especially evocative of the innkeepers when uh, Radcliffe went in and had that prolonged dialogue scene with Lena Dunham as he ordered <laughs> yeah. coffee at the local pub. Oh, God. I can't wait to, to talk more about Lena Dunham. All right. Me either. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a B for me. I'm not going to really add to this conversation in that regard. I think that, yeah, it's a the antagonist has teeth, so that's what I look for. Um, there's a real danger involved with your encounters with the antagonist. So I like that quality of kills is where I start to think, is there a disturbing quality to the deaths in this movie? And absolutely. I mean, we have vulnerable people, kids, namely, uh, being threatened and there's plenty of that. And yeah, it definitely, this is a movie loaded with jeopardy and unsettling, unsettling, well-staged deaths. So that's a B plus. Like whatever you want to say about this movie, it's got that going for it. I actually gave quality of kills an A for this movie. They were all effective for the reasons you're talking about. There was one fire-related death in this movie that I thought was just completely effed up on the spectrum of haunted house deaths that we've seen. I thought it was at the top of the list mm-hmm. or at least very close to the top. So uh, it gets an A for me. I thought it was great. I also gave it an A, although my, the one that put me over the top was, and this is early on in the movie. So I don't think we get it anyway. It's the girl who drinks lie. Mm-hmm. That one, that was the one where I was like, holy shit! Uh, and there's and there's a fair bit of that. So, yeah. All right, so we got two A's and a B plus. We're all pretty much in agreement on that. If you if you want to see dead kids in a haunted house movie, I, check out I The mean, Woman in Black. If you if you look at our 32, I bet that that's, that's damn near the highest rating for yeah. kills. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that and our point, guys, that's right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is not a category that does well in the haunted house uh, subgenre. So directing, uh, I'll give it a B. I think it's totally competent and well done and uh, stylish. And there's nothing amateurish or clumsy whatsoever. Uh, it's probably a low grade, but that's what I'm giving it. Dick, I give it a B plus. I agree. About all of that, but it's it is very competent. It is very stylish. This is a horror movie for normies. I don't I don't remember yeah. what alternative word we we came we settled on for that. But I think normies is probably our best bet compared to the, <laughs> some of the other options we threw out. Yeah, sorry if you're a normie <laughs> listening to this. Uh, we 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 have a text chain that would be deeply <laughs> offensive to you. But Rich's Rich's point about some of the locations and the way that they're filmed, and there is a just a blue collar English griminess to this that really does stand out. And it's just, it is just the tone. It's the, the production design, the directing, the lighting, like the way that everything sort of fits. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, 
a solid production. It's well directed. Uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about the digital fog in this film. <laughs> it is unforgivable. Like, <laughs> especially considering that they presumably shot in England. Right. If, if right. you can't get the shots that you want with the fog you need, like, figure out another way around it, man. Like, don't add bad digital fog to all your shots. It brings the whole movie down. It makes it all look cheap. It it just, like, it. I don't know. It really, really took me out of it a few times. I know that's a weird little thing, but I do think it's one of those things where you can't create ambiance with cheap visual effects. Don't do it. Directors shouldn't allow it to happen. That said, there's the, I mean, like the horror bits, I think I've been pretty clear about what I, what I did like. I also really loved the dinner party that Radcliffe attends. Yes. 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 You get, the, you get the reveal that the, that the woman wants her children to attend the dinner and the, and, and the, the children end up not being what you expect. And then there's also a, a impromptu spirit encounter that happens with the woman at the dinner like but the whole that whole scene i thought actually was awesome really well set up executed and paced and the the reactions to it were strong i was just like cackling at that at that scene it was great there's some stuff in the third act that i like i can't get into without giving away the you know sort of the the twists and turns of it but i will say that there's just a there's just a, a bunch of physics that don't make sense from a directing point of view you know they're the way that they solve the, the the ghost's big complaint that needs to be solved so that it will leave the house, like it just doesn't it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. The ending of this movie doesn't make any damn sense. Like give up by the time you're in the third act because it's not going to get any better. Anyways, I gave it a B. Well, that, you covered a lot of bases there, so let's just move on to script. Uh, I give it a B. It's a it's a well written script. It uh, doesn't blow me away in any regard, but um, it's it's tight. It's well well paced, well structured. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Vic, what's your script grade? I need the script to see. I find it a little underwhelming. A lot of the backstories and the the character stuff. It just feels very trite and and kind of let's give this person a thing. And the reveals don't particularly work. There's not much of a mystery really to this. And the ending, again, that that ending scene, I really like the ending to the orphanage. So I think it does just make it look better by relief. But mm-hmm. it's yeah, there's 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 definitely some some weakness observed there. I feel like your guys' reviews sum it all up. It's just a it's 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 kind of a maddening movie. It's got a lot going for it, and then it. It, and then it sort of shits all over itself. Their plan to please the ghost is stupid and, and implausible. At the end, the the saccharine ending, uh, as you said, Vic, is is just sort of like thin and doesn't add up to anything. The ghost's rules don't make a whole lot of sense. You know, I'll, I'll avoid going into specifics here, but it's just like it's there's not there's just not there's not the consistency that you want out of a truly menacing antagonist. Uh, I will say one little script detail that I did like was I liked the Daniel Radcliffe's kid gives him a, a, a book of drawings at the beginning that show 
what daddy looks like over various days on his trip to this town. And Radcliffe keeps referencing those drawings throughout the movie to keep track of what day it is. And I thought, what a clever way of, uh, of, of, uh, in injecting like a timekeeping device that felt like it also reminded you of like a character element. It was also, really you probably didn't realize this. It was also Christmas. They were, oh, they, were build, they were building up to Christmas, to Christmas day. Yeah. Are you, are you joking? Yes, I'm joking. Okay, yeah. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been too much in this subgenre. Like, if it, yeah. literally half of these movies involve Christmas uh, for no reason. All right, so uh, acting. Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk acting. Rich, what's your acting grade? Uh, B minus. I don't have a lot to say here. I'm try- like, I tried not to dislike Radcliffe, but I didn't like him. He's got a weird flat face. He's got dead eyes. <laughs> I guess he was fine as like a ne'er-do-well dandy in the countryside, but I wouldn't want to watch him in a sequel to this. Also, all the kids are redhead for some reason. I don't know what was going on with the casting. I did. I mean, that's not their fault. That's not their acting, but, you know, it still affected my enjoyment of it. I did like, I don't know how to say his name, uh, Siren Hines. Yeah, I love that guy. I think it's I think it's pronounced Kieran. Yeah. Kieran, that, yeah. that, that makes sense because I think, believe he's Irish. Yeah. Um, I definitely recognized his face from a, a long uh, filmography, but I thought he was great in this. I was always happy whenever he showed up. Uh, there's a couple – his motivation sort of like comes and goes throughout the movie, but, but uh, he made for a, a good foil for uh, – foil is not the right word, but he made good for a good co-star for Radcliffe. Yeah, of uh, fame from Rome and Game of Thrones and a lot of HBO projects. Love that guy. Uh, Game of Thrones guy. Mm, there you go. Also, also there will be blood, and there's a, there's another haunted house movie that he's actually in, where he had a, a, a wife that passed away. It's, it's a little slow and character driven, but I agree, he's a wonderful actor, and he's one of these guys that I've heard stories about that. Actors who go to work in London wind up going out drinking with Karen Hines and like it always winds up in these crazy debaucherous stories. Like he seems like one of the funnest people to go party with if you're an if you're an actor working working in the UK. So I, I love that. Uh, I don't know. I just I feel like that's always the, the fun thing about British and Irish actors, all the fun stories about well, those kind of guys. That makes me love him all the more. Glad to hear yeah. that. So I give the acting a B plus. I liked Daniel Radcliffe in this. I actually thought he gave a good performance. And Rich, you you, you failed to call out Janet McTeer as Kieran Hines' wife, who I think also gives a, a gleefully unhinged yes. performance. So it's it's a little bit like the others, where it's just you just surrounded by sort of quality British character actors, even in the even in the town that all of the people have these just magnificent faces that are instantly distinct and, and powerful and, and sort of work on film. Yeah. It's a good, obviously it's a well cast film. Um, so it's a, it's an easy B for me. I'm not going to give it an A because there's no real anchoring performance that blows me away. Uh, but it's a, it's a solid cast, a very solid cast. So 
yeah, if anything, be as harsh. It's a, it's a good movie. So other, let's get into the other category, Judge's Choice. I'm going to just call it the, for lack of a better term, Swamp Foo. I think what makes this movie special is the dynamic of the, the tides rising and falling and the isolation of this place as the water rushes in. Um, I think that's the most memorable thing about it. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's what strikes me. So, uh, Rich, what's your other choice? Uh, it's funny. I gave it mud foo, but mud foo is not a, not a compliment (laughs) because (laughs) whoever made this movie, I'm pretty sure that they've never dealt with mud or marshes or have any idea how they work. Um, you're not able to pull carriages out of them. They do not preserve bodies. Uh, there's a lot of things that mud does in this movie that it doesn't do in real life. I'm not a forensic pathologist, but I'm pretty damn sure that corpses don't last that long in mud. Wait, I thought you were Dr. Michael Baden. If you've been watching HBO shows, uh, that was the, the guy that was always the autopsy doctor. So yeah, I, I hear you. Vic, what's your uh, what's your choice? Jesus, John, that's a deep cut. Dr. Michael right. Baden. Dr. Michael there Baden. You go. <laughs> Dr. Michael Baden. Uh, now, I so I gave it a dialogue-free foo because I do think that is one of this film's strongest attributes is that there is long stretches and and part of why I like Radcliffe's performance so much is there are long stretches where it's him by himself reacting to these things. And there's, there's very little dialogue for him to play off of. You don't see that in movies a lot in general. And usually when you do, it's a big deal. And Oh my God, it's, you know, it's, it's Wally. They, nobody talked for 45 minutes. So (laughs) I, I think, I think this movie, especially for being such a glossy Hollywood production gets credit for it. It's one of my, it's one of the things that drives me crazy as a note. I always think about Gravity, the the Sandra Bullock, Alfonso Cuarón movie, which is a fine movie. The thing that drives me fucking crazy is that Sandra Bullock is alone through 90% of the movie and still talks, just constantly, just blathering. And so I really appreciated the restraint and the fact that the producers allowed this to have these long stretches of just Daniel Radcliffe acting, and I thought he did a fine job with it. All right, so our next contender is What Lies Beneath the Robert. Our last, yes, our last contender, John. That is correct. The, we're ending the first round of this tournament with What Lies Beneath the 2000 supernatural horror film directed by Robert Zemeckis. Starring Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. And this movie uh, is something... I I actually saw it in the theater at the time. But I enjoyed it more when I watched it again for this podcast. So I think that's a plus. And uh, it it, it, it definitely... It it was the 10th highest grossing movie of the year. $291 at the... International box office. It did didn't get especially unanimous great reviews, 
but it did get some award nominations. And essentially the premise here is that we have a wife of a college professor whose daughter has just gone off to college and she starts to notice things that are disturbing, uh, initially involving their neighbors and it starts to tie back to potentially her husband and a car accident that she was involved in earlier and her her memories start to come together along with clues and there's a Ouija board involved of course in this genre and she starts to maybe communicate with a ghost and starts to put together what you know the danger that she may be in right now it's 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 a very interesting classical old fashioned movie and it's got some really solid performances so i'll leave it there for now i give it an a minus for overall quality because i think it's just a class act it's it's a solid production across the board and uh yeah Let's move on and see what you guys think. Overall quality, Rich, what's your grade? I went with a B plus. Uh, I'm with you. I really, I did not think that this movie was going to hold up especially well. And it surprised me. I thought that while parts of it seemed a little dated, the quality stood up. It, it seems like it was molded in this idea of creating a, Hitchcockian ghost story. And to that end, if that was their goal, I think they did it very well. There's a lot of misdirect and the story pulls you through. There's definitely a couple slightly hokey kind of dated storytelling elements, but it's all very well crafted. I liked it. I also did not think that this movie was going to hold up very well uh, upon a rewatch and it did not. I was you son of a bitch. I was really underwhelmed by this movie, especially I Emily and I have caught up a little bit on the first season of Big Little Lies, which is another story about rich white people dealing with rich white people problems, and that's certainly what this movie is almost exclusively about. I gave the overall quality a B minus. Wow. Uh, it's I mean, look, it's it's a B minus. It's Robert Zemeckis. It's Michelle Pfeiffer. It's Harrison Ford. It's extremely well shot. You can see the money that's involved in it. I think I mentioned this when we when we nominated it. Zemeckis shot this film while he was shooting Castaway. Yeah. And Tom Hanks needed to take time off to lose all the weight for the like one year later cutaway. And so he literally shot this movie while he's doing that. When you take that into consideration, it's enormously impressive. I was not impressed. You know what? I hate Big Little Lies, so I despise the comparison that you just made. Yeah, dude, that show sucks. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen it all. So um, that really pisses me off that you drew that parallel, Vic. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh no, John, have I angered you with my opinions of a movie? Yeah, you might have. You might have. Wow, we're, we're going to have to, you know, delve deeper into this and see what lies beneath. But the originality... Hey! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, originality for me is a B minus. Uh, yeah, I don't think we're uh, doing anything groundbreaking conceptually with this movie. It's very time honored. It's very um, traditional, but that doesn't bother me too much. So yeah, that's why it's a B minus. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you, John. I also give this a B minus. This is a this is more of like a greatest hits album to me than anything else. Mm-hmm. I do feel like it has the it has the one big set piece in the climax that I do feel like it felt fresh. It did feel a little bit like a overblown episode of Tales from the Crypt for those of you who are familiar oh, yeah. with that yeah. anthology series. But for the most part, this felt more like an homage to other movies. And to that end, I thought it was done well, but that doesn't make it especially original. So, yeah, B minus for me, too. Well, Vic, why don't you give it an F right now, you son of a bitch? I gave it a C for originality. I'm not, I get, you don't get into this tournament if you've got a lot of Fs on your scorecard. True. It's a C for originality. The idea of using the a lot of the Hitchcockian tropes to tell an actual ghost story is sort of interesting and you can see, especially when we get into directing, we start to talk about the way that, that Zemeckis has shot it. Some of the, I'm put off by how self-conscious some of the camera moves are, but they're also, they're self-conscious because they're really impressive. I mean, it reminded me of, I think some of M night Shyamalan's films where he does really cool things with the camera but it's really obvious how much he wants you to see what cool things he's going to do with the camera. Yeah, so it's that that idea gets a little, you know, elevates it, but it's not. It's the, the story itself is uninspiring. That's that's fair. I do want to point out real quick, Vic, that if you don't like stories about rich white people, I'm not sure if the haunted house genre is where you want to start. <laughs> I, no, no, Rich, I think you're wrong. See, if you notice, most of the haunted house genre is composed of, of people who are struggling financially because they can't afford to leave the house that is trying to kill them. That's why they stay. I don't ever recall the finances being discussed on anyone not leaving a haunted house. Oh, it happens. Uh, they, they certainly talked about it in The Conjuring and I believe in Poltergeist as well. I do think it's notable that we're looking at 32 movies and there's not a single Asian or African-American or Latino family at the heart of any of these stories. Like it's, yeah, they are all white bread characters. Certainly not any of them that are focusing on the the concept of homeownership, no. I mean, like the orphanage is Spanish? Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, that I mean, that's that's Europe, still white. Spain, that's Spain Europe, is Spain yeah. is white. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's a food John, for thought. I, food for thought. I was yeah. gonna say, worth, I mean, that is a really mm-hmm. interesting point to to bring up. It just occurred to me, but yeah, I mean, like, because there's most genres that we're gonna deal with will have a lot more diversity than this one. So it is what it is. Yeah, I'm giving it a B minus for originality. Yeah, that's not the strength of the film. Chill factor. Vic, what's your chill factor grade? I give it a B minus for chill factor. I think there are there are a couple 
couple of creepy scares, mostly involving uh, the bathroom. The rest of it, I found there's sort of a mystery at the heart of this. So a lot of it is sort of tonal, but I found the I found the mystery itself sort of uninspiring or uninteresting, and so the the scares don't they don't lend themselves to that, and and it didn't it didn't really help. It's it's not it's not without its clever sequences. In fact, there's a, there's one really particularly well done sequence where Michelle Pfeiffer walks out of the bathroom. I forget what she's doing. She walks out of the bathroom, sort of turns off the light, grabs something, and it's all a single take because the bathroom has two doors. And as she comes around to the second door, she sees that there is steam coming out of the bathroom. And when she goes back in, she turns on the light and sees that the bathtub is now full with hot water, which is actually really creepy. And again, particularly because of the, the single take aspect of it really makes that scare work. But that's a, that's a, that's a highlight in, of, of maybe two or three, largely, largely involving the bathtub again. I do want to point out that it is also digital steam, which I did find offensive, but at least this was a good decade plus on the woman in black. So I'm willing to cut them a little bit of slack here. Look, Robert Zemeckis is not rolling the dice on actual steam doing what it needs to do in Neil's action, okay? <laughs> He's a cure. I mean, this this movie really, like, kind of piqued my, my curiosity about him as a director. I always feel like he's been a real odd bird as a, as a director. He's ambitious, but always, like, falls short of being Spielberg, which I feel like he desperately wants to be. Oh, yeah. I think, I think he's too obsessed with technology. Like he was pioneering some of the what you could do with CGI and Forrest Gump in terms of putting Tom Hanks, you know, on stage with John Lennon or or Richard Nixon or whatever. And he was using it to interesting ends. But then he got he just went off the deep end with, oh, the Polar Express and was it Beowulf? And he did some he did some really weird stuff. And he He, he went into the uncanny valley for sure. And never came back. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's not true because I thought like uh, Sully, for instance, was a pretty down to earth movie for him. Did he direct? No, yep. Sully. Sully was uh, that was uh, uh, Clint Eastwood, man. I think you're thinking about the Denzel Washington flight. Flight. Yes. Flight. Yes. That's what he did. He never came. I won't say he never came back from using that technology, but he never came back to the heights of Castaway and. Forrest Gump and uh, Back to the Future and and some of his other really strong films. But I think this movie like is a very Hitchcockian film, but it has a lot of the Zemeckis highlights. And I just think it's a, a very solid movie. I think it's a B minus for Chill Factor. It's a B for Badass Baddies. You know it. it it's a slow burn in terms of menace, but I think there's a, there's a foreboding and there's um, a sense of suspense. Like this guy, I mean, he knows how to tap into classical tropes with tension and, and a building of dread and, and risk and playing out, you know, like I, I, I'm not going to get to it yet, but there's a couple of scenes in this movie that are 
kind of excruciating in the best way that I expect from a thriller. So I, at, at worst, this is a, a B in, in those categories. Mm-hmm. I went C for, for baddies and I, I, I might actually like bump that up a tiny bit. I actually feel like this is a movie that, you know, there's several of these on the list that features not only a supernatural component, but also a corporeal uh, antagonist as well. And this almost feels like the well-executed version of the, like the devil's backbone, mm-hmm. uh, human baddie. Although in this case, it feels much more fitting for the story and it feels more organic as opposed to being this this tacked on threat. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I want to bump that up to a C plus. I didn't find that particularly scary or particularly menacing, but they did feel real and they feel like they posed a real threat. I give the antagonist a C, and I just want to say definitively that Hitchcock never would have built a film around a murder mystery this stupid. Ooh, harsh. Yeah. Yep. 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 You heard it here first, folks. I can't. I can't. I can't go into it too much because spoilers. But yep. yeah, this was the on the initial viewing. There was a bit of shock, but in retrospect. It's the the resolution is glaringly obvious almost from the word go. And the second half of the movie is is just a slog of trying to not make it be more obvious than it already is. It's it's weird because I do agree with you, but at the same time I don't remember feeling that way when I saw the movie originally. Well uh, that's back in like the early two thousands. I I didn't feel that way originally, and but the, what I came away from it when I first saw it, and I remember this very distinctly, was that, without giving anything away, the casting is what made it work on a single viewing. On a second viewing, all of that falls apart really spectacularly, even more than, than for me, than the others or other, other films that we've talked about. I didn't I didn't find that. Like obviously when I watched it again for this show, um albeit uh, you know a month and a half or two months ago, yeah, knowing exactly who the antagonist was, it did not it did not diminish my enjoyment. Like I I actually found it in that level of a of a good script, of a good movie where I thought it was fun knowing Okay, you know, I'm going to watch it from this perspective and I'm going to judge this character um, and his or her uh, behavior based on my knowledge. And I I thought that that it it just was pretty, you know, it was still very interesting. And it actually, like, made me pay more attention to certain things than I would have if I I didn't have that knowledge. So, yeah, it didn't diminish it at all. For me, I'm with you, John. This was a fun ride. Like since you invoked it, Vic. Like I feel like the others is a is a poor comparison for for this. The, I agree that both of them suffer from having a, a second viewing, but this one at least had ups and downs and and hoops it had to jump through, and it was entertaining to watch the mystery unfold. Whereas the others, once you took away the twist, was like staring at a painting. 
Yeah. Or or an utterly pointless B story? Did it have an utterly pointless B story like this one? No, it had no B story at all. That's true. But this one had an utterly pointless B story, which I found you mean entirely with the, the couple with across the, the way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. So you have you have weird allusions to uh, Rear Window and and some of those sort of Hitchcockian ideas. They just don't pay off in any meaningful way. It's just a red herring. Yeah. Well, that that's fair. Yeah. Let's get let's get through. This is all going to come up when we talk about the script and the directing, and, and maybe we've covered it well enough, but. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump in and say that for quality of kills, I actually gave it a C. I'm curious to hear what your guys' thoughts are on this. I know there's not strictly a ton of of kills in this. There's an almost kill that informs a previous kill that happens sort of off screen that we never really see. And putting those two elements together, you know, there there is a credible threat here. That I really that I really appreciated. I'm really looking forward to the spoiler curtain being lifted so that we can stop talking ourselves into circles. Yeah, that was not a circle. That made perfect fucking sense, Rich. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say B, but I'm not going to go into any more detail, uh, Rich. This was a category. I, unfortunately, I watched this. This was one of the first movies I watched when we started this, which was some time ago. And I lost my notes, so I can't remember. I gave an F to the quality of kills because I couldn't remember any of them, so they couldn't have been that good. Ouch! It's 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 definitely not a you know high body count movie like most of these haunted house films. So that segues into directing. I gave it an A. I think I you know it's a masterful representation of the story. It's very sleek and atmospheric and dynamic and whatever I would look for. It's definitely an A, uh, especially in the horror genre, which is not marked by incredible directing for the most part. That's my grade. So Vic, you, I give it a B for directing. It is, it's, it is flashy and you know, you can tell that this is a pro and he's at, Really, it's sort of the height of his of his powers, but I just found it so self conscious and showy. There's a there's a shot that from the the side mirror of a car where the car door opens and then it closes and then there's a really distinct, yeah. overly uh, overly defined shadow that I felt like didn't even really make sense in terms of the lighting. Uh, there's about three shots of people who seem to be asleep or unconscious in the foreground while someone is doing something in the background and the person in the background leaves and then the person opens their eyes, which was effective the first time. But by the third time I had someone's you know, unconscious eyes in front of me, I thought, well, I can't wait till they open it up and the soundtrack goes boom. So Vic, you yeah, hate I, this movie. You hate this movie. Just admit it. I don't like this movie. Yeah. I don't. Mm-hmm. So how did we end up pairing this against uh, the Daniel Radcliffe movie? Because we've obviously failed in our seating if we're putting like two movies that nobody loves against each other. At least you don't love either of them. I, I Well, you, you will see how this pairs out when it comes to the voting. But I found this to be, to be underwhelming and uninspired. Well, Vic yeah. nominated Woman in Black. 
Right. But, but he didn't, yeah, there wasn't a ringing endorsement. Let's put it that way. Okay. So, uh, Rich, what's your directing grade? I give it an A minus. I'd say my review is largely along the lines of, of what you gave. Vic, I, your points are well taken and I am also not a fan of showy directorship. And I agree that it's, it is present throughout here. And those are the parts that reminded me of Tales from the Crypt. Like they were gimmicky. They were based on the idea of like, oh, let me see like how I can tell this in a way that's, that's going to be surprising to you. And aren't I clever? And it did have elements of that, but I thought that it's still all unfolded. And I recall this being a, a slightly longer than average movie mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for this uh, for this subgenre. And it held my interest throughout. I thought that for what was largely a single person solving a mystery, it was paced in a way that I was involved in her story, even if the, the, the B story didn't go anywhere. I mean – in short, I think that the directing overcame some of the shortcomings that you're describing, and so it gets a little bit of credit for that. So, anyways, A minus for me. I'm giving it an A for script because I, I really like the way that the the mosaic of past and present, the mystery pieces together, and the way that the shifting trust of our protagonists as she doubts herself and her perceptions and what the people around her are giving her in terms of their reactions. It's all like, I think it's artfully put together and it's subtle. And I was just generally impressed by the storytelling here. I think it's just a first class movie. And I think that, Along those lines, it's, it's it's very solid script. So maybe I'm too generous, but I'm giving it an A for script. So, Rich, what what do you what do you say? B plus. I agree with you. I didn't really care for the eventual resolution and how the antagonist meets their you know just desserts at the end. Like mm. that felt a little too pat for me, and that would probably be my my chief complaint. But otherwise, I'm I'm with you on the script. All right. Let me ask you guys this. Real question. If the husband in this movie is played by Alec Baldwin or (laughs) Christopher Walken, (laughs) does does any of this script actually work as a like a surprise? That's a very valid uh, comment. I mean, because, yes, we're playing against type, as they say. Yeah, we have associations with Harrison Ford. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, we're pussyfooting around, like, spoilers with a movie that's 18, 20 years old. So, but nonetheless, yeah, I think that 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 definitely is a a factor. But... But I, I I like that I think there's cool subtleties to as you un, you know sort of get his insecurities and you know you you sort of understand he doesn't want to turn on his wife like it's just like she's just relentlessly finding things that that 
turn her against him and he he wishes that wasn't the case i don't think it's he's annoyed <laughs> he's annoyed into, into trying to kill her i also this is the note that i actually wrote why would you use a ouija board if the ghost can type there's uh-huh. a scene where there's a scene where the ghost types out her initials <laughs> repeatedly and so what is the point of the ouija board if the ghost can just type i think we should note at this point that Every other Haunted House movie does involve the Ouija board, and, and luckily, yeah, we're continuing that ridiculous trope throughout yeah, all of these. And, and, we get, and we get the very rare dog scare as opposed to the cat scare. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, give, I give this script a C. Ouch. That seems a little harsh. That's harsh. Does it? Does it, Rich? Uh, I think so. So acting is an A for me. I think, yeah, first-rate cast across the board. I'll leave it there. Vic, what's your... Give it a D. Go ahead, man. I fucking dare you. No, no, no. I see. Now, this is where this is where I will disagree. I give it a B plus. I, think the, I mean, I think Michelle Pfeiffer is exceptional in this. I think she's yeah, she is. wonderful. I think Harrison Ford is very good. I mean, you, you made some points. He has a character to play in this, and he does it very well. I, the neighbors, I was sort of less interested in, and some of the some of the other supporting characters. Her uh, is it her sister? I think that's the, the, the shows goofy friend, right? The goofy friend, yeah. That that was the, those those characters were were underwhelming. But the, I mean, look, this is a this is a show for Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. They are great actors, and I think they do a really good job with it. Rich, yeah, I went I went a I'd say mostly based on Michelle Pfeiffer. I. I know it sounds ridiculous because obviously she has a she has several like notable roles from her run in Hollywood, but I think this is maybe the most impressed I've ever been with her. I thought she really carried this movie quite well. A little less so with Harrison Ford, but part of that's my bias that I'm just not a fan of late career uh, grumpy Harrison Ford. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I do hate I, that that the guy was like he he came across as this like rakish clever you know wild rogue and then like he spends the rest of his career being this sort of boring stick in the mud kind of a guy i I don't like it yeah sorry but Uh, obviously you never saw a little movie called six days seven nights that paired him (laughs) with david schwimmer i did see it but wasn't that with uh ann hesh and and hesh that's right so yeah, Judge's Choice, and I'll kick this off because I am passionate about it. The Tub Foo, and I've alluded earlier uh, that we uh, might have more Tub Foo. Uh, and this is the second Tub Foo in our, in our tournament. It's an amazing tension, suspense, set piece involving water filling a bathtub and someone being paralyzed and the orchestration of this is just exquisite it's just it's really a fun sequence where yeah if your heart is not in your throat watching this if you're not tense like you know i don't know what's what's going on with you but <laughs> it's it's a very effective and cool, uh, memorable. It's the it's it's the centerpiece of this whole movie, and I think it absolutely is special. 
it's special. Um, and when you look at the thriller genre, and yeah, I think it's debatable whether this movie fits more fully into the horror genre or the thriller genre. You know, it certainly probably would would rate better against thrillers than it does against horror films. But it's that's just a, a killer fucking sequence. It's really one of my favorite sequences of all 32 movies that we're watching. So I have to I have to give it props. Tub foo. Vic? Trying to put this as as tastefully and delicately as I can. The problem with that is that what I have written is leg spreading foo. And Why? Yeah, that's that is it is it is not a tastefully written phrase but there is a a scene when harrison ford comes home and finds that michelle pfeiffer is let's just say not quite herself Uh and she's sitting on the steps uh of their their sunken dining room because again rich white people and they sort of had this conversation and total testament to Michelle Pfeiffer's performance because she is really bizarrely alluring in the way that she is just everything about her, her countenance and, and, and her performance in the scene. And Harrison Ford sort of walks in and they have some brief exchange after which she literally just kind of spreads her knees open. And you could see Harrison Ford be like, Oh, and I think I made the exact same face that Harrison Ford did it's one of the sexiest, most alluring single actions I've ever seen a person in a movie make. It's uh, it really I was like, holy shit. It just reminds you what an incredibly attractive, alluring, kind of dangerous actress Michelle Pfeiffer could be. It's, she's the only person that could have played Catwoman in the Tim Burton imagining of the character. Am I, am, am I wrong to say that she was the gold standard of hotness for us? I mean, growing up? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I, I actually, like I said, I didn't have much of a connection with her. And she really struck me in this movie. Again, you're right. One of the, one of the notes I remember writing is, I think I, I looked it up here as well, and I was like, Michelle Pfeiffer is a very hot 38 in this movie. Yeah. Good God. Is she really 38? I really I, thought she was older than that, actually. I know. Not I, not in this film, I don't think. Oh. I, I, dude, I definitely don't believe that she's, she's older than 40. Anyways, I'm with you, Vic. I liked your pick. Rich, did you give your other category? I didn't. And, you know, I've been avoiding, I've been avoiding doing this, but it just makes sense here. I also had tub foo for mine. Sorry, John, but it's okay. A good thing bears repeating. I feel like the the tub section of this, while it fits into the whole of the film, it almost plays out like a short story of its own. Yeah, uh, from start to finish, it's a complete chapter in the the the, the whole story of this book of uh, whatever of this movie. But um. You know what I mean? I don't know. For for some reason, anyone feel free to jump out and correct me, especially the more well-read among you, but it reminded me of like a Richard Matheson story. It just had a sort of classic like bare bones, tension and dread sort of classical feel to it. I really 
like the way it was pulled off. There's a couple things that, that bother me about it. Like it's scenes in movies where people have to hold their breath and you're actually trying to time out what it really means to be struggling under the, the duress of holding your breath for the sake of your life always kind of gets to me. And this one pushed the limits just a tiny bit, but it keeps playing out even after the, the immediate danger is, is escaped. And it really just paid off. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to say this movie is like amazing. I'm not going to say that like, I can't wait to watch it again because we're going to suss out all of these brilliant layers to it. No, I don't, I don't, put it in that category. Honestly, I think, you know, compared to Amityville, like I, I would much rather watch that even though I think this is an objectively better film. So I, I just, I can only throw up my hands and say this, you know, we're, we're debating between weirdly fascinating and, and good. And I just think this movie is good. So that's where I, I land on it. So it's time to vote everyone uh our final vote of the evening and i guess yeah it does kind of to to frame this do you want to delve more deeply into the woman in black or what lies beneath and we could say it's not that much more to be mined out of either of them but um we have to make a, a decision and i'm definitely saying what lies beneath is my choice uh, I'll throw it to you, Rich. Uh, what's your What's your call? This is remarkably a, a pretty tough one because I feel like they both have some high highs and some low lows. But for me, the the low lows in Woman in Black were a lot harder to get over, even though I really appreciated what it had to offer. And so I'm going to go with what lies beneath. Ah, you guys are the worst. Jesus, John, is this what it felt like when we picked Paranormal Activity 3? Um, over the Tale of Two uh, Sisters? Tale of Two Sisters, yeah. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I, that was brutal. I'm, I'm still upset about it. Um, no, the difference is John actually liked the Tale of Two Sisters. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I like The Woman in Black. Well, I gave uh, it a- okay, Vic, give us an argument. Like, I mean, honestly, you, you know, go ahead. It, this is not set in stone. Why do you think it's better? It's a horror film, for one. <laughs> it has many, many more scares. And it has some, some, I think, some daringly original sequences. I th- am particularly interested in the period in which it's set the 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 world of spirituality and, and and mediums and that kind of thing ties into what was going on with Janet McTeer and and her relationship with the sun the blue collar town the 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 griminess the grittiness it's there's there's just something palpable and and scary and and violent about it whereas what lies beneath again feels like big little lies with a ghost I don't is, care what happens to this this poor rich white cellist. Look, uh, I can get my wife to watch be, Big Little Lies with a Ghost. What's that? I said I can get my wife to watch a movie that's that's pitched as Big Little Lies with a Ghost. I could get my wife to watch that movie too. It doesn't mean I want to watch it. 
I just feel like at the end of the day, the, the problem is, is that and if you're just arguing what's a better movie, I think that What Lies Beneath is a better movie. What Lies Beneath hinges on a, a stupidly obvious murder mystery and a glaringly obvious red herring. And everything else is set decoration and camera work. I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't feel like you can throw a whole lot of stones when we're talking about the woman in black. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like there was anything happening in the last 30 minutes of that movie that wasn't painfully obvious. Fine. Yeah. I'll watch What Lies Beneath again. Guys, fucking suck. <laughs> I mean, look, you, you know, Vic, you can't find someone who hates something more than I hate Big Little Lies, so... That was the exactly right tact uh, to take to talk me out of this. But at the same time, it just doesn't strike me the same way. I I am just more fascinated with what lies beneath than Woman in Black in, in terms of filmmaking. So even though I agree with you, I think Woman in Black is actually scarier. And it has like more classic... Sure. It has more classic haunted house shit that I I dig, but um, I'm I'm kind of more worried that it would it would it would strike strike me as treacly, whereas I think what lies beneath has an an, an edginess uh, that I'm that's just more my kind of thing. But this is a very tough call. Again, we're talking about literally these are the two closest movies in our entire tournament. This is sixteen versus seventeen. So it's a razor's edge, but uh, yeah, it looks like it, it will be what lies beneath that advances. And from here on out, folks, we're moving on to the sinister sixteen. So, any any final thoughts, Vic? Um, what uh, as we move forward into the sinister sixteen? I'm gonna I'm gonna say goodbye to uh, to the woman in black by pointing out that director James Watkins directed a film called My Little Eye, which was one of the, that's the one I was referencing earlier, one of the found footage films that landed between Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity that I've seen. It's not great, but it's interesting and I think shows some of his, uh, some of his prowess with the horror genre. And also Kieran Hines, the horror film that I referenced with him, was called The Eclipse, but a, a widower being troubled by visions of his deceased wife. Again, very character-driven, also not something that necessarily lands in, in this competition, but those are some interesting horror peripherals from that. And also, as we get into the, the Sinister 16, folks, beware fucking spoilers. You know what movies are going to be in there. You better watch them because I am tired of being muzzled when talking about Harrison Ford. That's right. From here on out, folks, there will be spoilers. So watch the fucking movies. Rich, any final thoughts about this round? Yeah, man. I just got to say, this is the end of a, a journey for us and potentially the viewers as well. Um, I am not being glib when I say this. This has been challenging to watch all these movies and categorize them. Jesus, just to fit them into like your, your life of seeing this many films has been tough. Yeah. And so I'm excited to graduate to the next stage. I also feel like for us, we got to lot, we got to watch a lot of these movies sometimes for the first time, regardless of how old they were. 
and we were watching them strictly for enjoyment and impression. And now I'm excited to delve deeper into what got me really pulled into this podcast in the first place, which was the ability to go back and really pick something apart and find out what is making up its DNA. So I'm excited to see what happens next. Oh, yeah. That's the beauty of this whole format is I'm looking forward to digging into these movies on a really deep level and um they they're they're worth it and it's going to be a lot of fun conversations looking forward to having that experience with y'all soon so thanks for listening adios good night everybody <laughs> take it easy you guys <laughs>